Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with how God often uses the difficulties of life to wake us up to what's important. What we've experienced in the last few years as a culture, the pandemic, the worldwide chaos and confusion, God was using to wake his church up. That God was using to wake his church up, but not to what most people think. He was wanting to wake you up to righteousness, to humility, to faith, to live out your faith. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's time once again for Abounding Grace. We'll be joined by Pastor Ed Tater in a second, who today picks up where we left off in 2 Kings chapter 3. It's a series called Faith Forward. Elisha has a word from the Lord for the people. Go dig some ditches in the valley, and God will provide the much-needed water. Pastor Ed believes there's a word there for us to receive that has a lot to do with trust and obedience. And so here he is. Give me a musician. Give, send the musician. And it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord comes upon Elisha. And he said, thus saith the Lord. So in music, singing, it changes the atmosphere. Just in a church service, ready? In a church service, it changes the atmosphere. It's not something to come in late for or leave early or, you know, I don't want to listen to that or any of that. That's not the time. It's changing the atmosphere. It's taking a room now filled with the church and we're all getting our minds in unity on the Lord. It changes the atmosphere. Why? So you can hear, thus saith the Lord. You can hear a word from God. Not just the word of God, which we teach every week, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, not just the word of God, but what the Bible would declare in the original language as a rhema word of God, R-H-E-M-A. When you hear that, that refers to a word from God that's directly to you, specifically, which happens all the time. So you're in a room filled with thousand plus people, you're in a room filled with a thousand plus people, and the word of God goes out and hits a thousand people a thousand different ways. How is that even possible? I mean, you're driving home after service. You're saying, what'd you get from the message? What'd you get from the message? You're like, I, I, got, uh, I, I got this word. And then you're saying over here, I got that word. And then at the end, you're like, were we in the same Bible study? Because I didn't hear that. Exactly. Because God had that word for you. It's a rhema word. Not just the Logos word. The Logos word is the general word of God. Again, the word Logos also referred to Jesus Christ incarnate. But it's the rhema word. When the music played, the anointing came. And when the anointing came, the word of God came. And again, listen to the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Here's the word of God in your great difficulty. Make this valley full of ditches. That's the word of the Lord. To which if you haven't been ready for the word of God, sometimes his word, you'll just walk away. I'm not digging no ditches. Like what is God's problem? Dig ditches? We need water. And already... Before God says anything, he says, here's the word. 
Go dig ditches or canals. That's another way, word for ditches could be canals here or even cisterns, deep, deep wells where water can collect the water. Basically, just in the desert, when you have no water anywhere, here's the word of God. Go dig some ditches. And of course, he follows up with that. In the next verse, he says, Make the valley full of ditches, for thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that your cattle and your animals may drink. Water's coming. You're not going to know when. Very similar to what the early church was told. Stay in Jerusalem till the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like, you'll know when power comes on, but you just stay in Jerusalem till it happens. And then you're like, when's it going to happen? You'll know when you know. Well, it's very similar. All this valley, go ahead and look at all the valley. It's going to be filled with water, but you won't know when. You're not, it's not going to be the typical way. You're not going to feel a storm come in like we do here in Colorado. You're not going to be able to see the storm clouds. You're not going to feel the water come down from heaven. You're not going to be able, this isn't something you're going to be able to go out with your hands and just cup your hands for the rainwater and drink it. This is the way the water is going to come. You won't know when it is, but I'm telling you this, God says, I'm going to fill this valley with water. And if you want to enjoy it, you need to dig ditches. So what you have, you have God's promise, God's part, and then you have man's responsibility, man's part. God is going to fill the valley with water. You don't know when, but the valley is going to be full. So until then, go dig ditches in the dry valley. You don't wait for water drops or anything. You just go and obey God. Take the step and do it. It's very similar to the instruction that was given to Noah. Build a boat. For what? A worldwide flood. What is that? Oh, you'll know it when it comes. Just build the boat, man. Just, and again, no hesitation. He's building, 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 and boom, then that first drop of water. Then you'll know that first drop of water. Dig ditches. That's God's word for us. He wants us to dig some ditches, to be prepared for all that God has for us, to be ready for it. The valley, the, the area, the front range, the state, the country, the world, be filled with water. Water is essential for life for us. But also in the Bible, water often speaks of the Bible, the Word of God. Remember, husbands are told to wash their wives with the water of the Word. But also water refers to the Holy Spirit many times. Remember, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, talking about thirst. And he says very practically, if you drink this water, the physical water, you're going to be thirsty forever. But I've got a water for you that when you drink of it, you will never be thirsty again. The Spirit of God to fill you and flood you and baptize you. And so here's the word. God has a fresh work in his word. He has a fresh work with the Holy Spirit. It, your life is going to be filled with it, but you won't enjoy it unless you dig the ditches and prepare for it. Digging ditches speak to us today of expectation and preparation. If you go into this year the same way you always have, you're going to miss it. Because if you don't dig the ditches, the water's just going to go into the ground. You won't have it. You're not going to suck dirt. It's not going to be that you could, I guess you could suck dirt, but it's not going to be the same if you had a ditch ready for it. Like you can go about your own way. You want to suck dirt just to get every ounce of water out of that. You can do that. It's like, if that's the way you want to go, God says, go the way you want to go. You want to be Jehoram. You want to live in unbelief. Go ahead. But I'm telling you this, if you will obey me and dig the ditch, you will enjoy the water and you'll have as much as you need. You'll have as much as you need. How about this? You'll have as much as you want. Because think about this, this instruction to dig ditches. Think about how the different responses would be even in a room like this. Some of you, you go dig, some of you going, I ain't digging no ditch. 
don't have any water then. And that's just your response. I'm not doing that's dumb. That doesn't make any sense. I'll just wait it out. I'll just wait for someone else, whatever. And you won't dig. Others of you, you might say, okay, I'll dig a ditch. Okay, okay, I can do that. And you take a little, little shovel and you hide everybody and you're just digging your own little ditch here. Nobody can get it. It's just for you. You're a little ditch. A lot of the body of Christ is like that today. Just thinking of yourself. Just a little bit for yourself. If God's going to fill the valley, just have a little bit. All I need is a little bit for myself. But that's not the way of Christ. That's not the way of Jesus. What God calls the church to do, you're going to dig a ditch. Dig the best one that you can. And don't just dig one for yourself. You think of others more highly than yourself. You dig a ditch for your neighbor. You dig a ditch for your friend. You dig a ditch for your family. You dig ditches until you can't dig ditches anymore. Not just for yourself. Even so, Jesus would even say, you're thinking about digging ditches. Yes, Lord, that's what I want. Well, you dig one for your enemy too. What? Yeah. Think of your enemies. Think about this world that's also going to suffer the same thing. It's not just for you. I mean, you got to think about the gift that God gave us in the spiritual realm over the last few years. I mean, for almost two years straight, every single service, there was a slide up on the screen behind me that had three words on it. God was trying to teach us something. Patience, preference, and humility. That, that is what God desires from his church, among many other things. But what the world in chaos and what the world in confusion and what the world that doesn't have their head on straight and doesn't know how to do things, the world that's oppressive, the world that's filled with injustice, the world that's hurtful and harmful and takes advantage of one another. What does the world need? The world that is selfish needs to meet a believer that shows preference. The world that is impatient and controlling needs to meet a follower of Christ that's long-suffering, patient. And a world that is so puffed up with pride and arrogance needs a believer in a church that's humble and broken and dependent upon God. You see, what, what we've experienced in the last few years as a culture, the pandemic, the worldwide chaos and confusion God was using to wake his church up, that God was using to wake his church up, but not to what most people think. He was wanting to wake you up to righteousness, to humility, to faith, to live out your faith. I know when things get out of our control, we try to control everything, but God said, I don't want you to control. You don't control anything because that's what God does. Have you noticed in all the chaos of life and so many things outside of our control, isn't God so gracious to give, a, give us a few things that we can control? For example, you want to dig a ditch? You can do that. He gives you something you can do. There's a lot of things you can't do, but God gives us some things along the way that you can do. And he says, go dig a ditch. This is the word of the Lord. It's a word of faith. It's a word to trust him. Just, hey, the water hasn't come yet. You're not even know when it's going to come. And this guy, Elisha, he's a smart aleck. He's sarcastic. He comes and he's standing there. We're going to listen to him. Well, he says the word of the Lord. Test him. Go dig some ditches. What's it going to hurt? What's it going to harm? Just step out by faith. They needed a word from the Lord. The environment was changed. And the word was go dig ditches because God is ready to work. It's going to come. Be ready for it. Expectant prepared. And not only that, he says in verse 18, this is just a trivial thing, he says, in the sight of the Lord. Or in, the new, in another translation, this is just a simple thing. And it reminds us of what we learned with Zerubbabel. Remember, he was given the word. Zerubbabel, he's got this great difficulty. He's 
came back to rebuild the temple, but the people don't want to help, and they've gone their own way. And so what does God come to? It's not going to be your power. It's not going to be your might, Zerubbabel, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then on top of that, he says, and you see the mountain, the one that you can't move, you don't know what to do, the mountain? You can talk to that mountain, and I'll move it. You can say, oh, you mountain, who are you? Who are you? And this is it. You know, you're so thirsty. You're so dry. It's so impossible. You don't know what the new year will bring. You're over your head. It's there's, there's just so difficult, so hard, so challenging. It is a simple thing for God to act on your behalf. It is not as hard. God is not fretting over your problem. He's not worried. He's not pacing in heaven. I don't know what to do. Well, Peter, what are we going to do? I don't know. They got themselves in such a mess. I don't know. No, he's not. He's not. He's not Jehoram. God is not Jehoshaphat. The Bible says God is not a man. He's almighty God. All power and authority and strength has been given to Jesus Christ. And you can cast your cares upon him and he cares for you. It's a simple thing, church. It is a simple thing. Dig the ditches because it's in the ditches that you're going to learn how to trust me with every scoop of dirt. You're responding, and God is going to be faithful. He wants to see our faith at work. He wants us to live with our eyes on him. And he's only going to fill the amount of, of ditches that you dig, that you're only going to enjoy what you have claimed and taken for yourself through obedience. You know, God invites us to participate with him, to cooperate with him. And that's a beautiful thing to cooperate with him. Don't, don't you want to cooperate with God? Say yes or no. Yes? No? Cooperate. Isn't that a great soft word? Let's all cooperate with God, church. And you can smile with that. You're just like, oh, so say amen after this if you agree with me. Let's all cooperate with God, church. Okay, cooperation's a great word. You all agree it's a nice word? You want to adopt it into your life? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let me give you the Bible word and let's see if you're so excited. Cooperation, according to God, is your obedience. Oh, not so many amens. There's a few, but obedience. You want to experience the fullness that God has for you? Obey him. Jesus said as much, didn't he? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's a manifestation of love is obedience. That's true agape love. When we receive the agape love of God, our response is obedience. Maybe you're like Jehoram where you're persisting in your sin, which could also say you're persisting in your disobedience. And no, no wonder digging ditches isn't, isn't really attractive to you. No wonder the environment around you, you don't want a, an environment that glorifies God because it reminds you of your distance from God. Like no wonder you're in the condition that you are right now. You, want, you say you want to cooperate with him, then obey him. Listen, I'm not telling you to obey me. I'm not telling you to obey some church doctrine or with some man made up or whatever. I'm not, I'm not. God has thus saith the Lord. You obey his word. He will lead you and guide you. Obey him. He will give you the direction you need. Your spirit will bear witness. If I'm teaching, if I'm exercising the gift of pastor teacher from the Bible that I have open here, let me, and you're born again, I'll tell you right now, your spirit will bear witness with my spirit that bears wisdom with the Holy Spirit and you can obey that word. <laughs> you don't need to follow man. You don't, you don't need a pastor in your life or a priest to tell you what to do. You're born again. You have the spirit of God inside of you. Obey him. 
And I don't know why it is the word nevertheless. Listen, this is what it sounds like in your life. God has told you what to do. Nevertheless, you chose not to do it. Take responsibility. Repent. Repent. God is wanting to work in you in large ways, small ways. But you got to dig the ditches, church. Do your part. Repentance, obedience. Dig the ditch of repentance. Dig the ditch of obedience. Dig the ditch of reading your Bible. Dig the ditch of prayer. Dig the ditch of partaking in communion. Dig the ditch of being in fellowship. Dig the ditch of walking in humility. Dig the ditch of admitting when you're wrong. Dig the ditch of dismissing your opinions. I mean, you can see that there are many things that you can develop in your life to be ready to be replaced with the living water of God. The days are short and the coming of the Lord is at hand. I mean, just yesterday morning, I received news of yet another very well-used man of God. Worldwide was his impact, pastor, who was dismissed and fired from his church because of rampant sexual immorality. And my response, as people ask me what my response was, I'm mad, I'm angry, but maybe not the way you think. I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at the devil taking another strong man. I, I, and it doesn't matter how he got there. We'll get to that later. Like the woman in, uh, that was caught in the midst of adultery. Like, like we'll deal with the, the details later. Right now, she needs to be ministered to. This guy's marriage is dissolved. He's got kids and he's literally got thousands and thousands of people. No doubt even you have been connected to this man through singing of songs that he wrote. That now he has thrown it all away. And it makes me mad that the enemy took another strong man away from the kingdom. It would make me equally mad if God took a, or if the enemy took another strong woman away. Like we've got to be able to remember that our enemy, he's real. We're not ignorant of his devices. You know, none of us are sinless. You know that. Maybe it's something you need to admit. I wasn't sure, you know, to share this, not share this, because it's just embarrassing to obey the command that James gives to confess your sins to one another. And I felt burdened to do it. Uh, last night, and I'm just feeling it again now, and so I'll just share it. I got an email yesterday morning. This is my own life right now, just me, Mr. Pastor in the pulpit, and, you know, God, I get to be used of him. That's really what it amounts to. But I get an email yesterday from a man that I haven't heard from in years. Uh, It takes us back, takes me back 30 years ago to a home Bible study I taught in California. That's how I met him, served at the church with him, and he wanted to let me know that a family that I knew and haven't spoken to in 25 years, um, that their son passed away tragically on Friday. And could I reach out to him? And so, you know, um, I responded to it and I said, I'll pray and I'll reach out to him. But I had one thought that it's embarrassing to share, but I had this thought like I was upset. And then so I told the Lord, I said, am I the guy now that everybody calls when their son dies? And then I just kind of prayed it through and and waited through the day. And 
And eventually in the evening, like I repented, like, what am I thinking? Of course I'm that guy. That's what God's doing in my life. Of course I'm that guy. And by the time I made the call in the evening, there was an apology. I'm sorry I called you. Like, I finally called the brother that lost his son and prayed with him. This is tragic, like so. And then I also called the brother that I knew, which is his in-law, and I was ministering to him. And, and, and he said, and he even apologized. I'm sorry that I, that I involved you. I'm sorry, but you just came to mind. And it's amazing because I don't check my email on the weekends, but I felt a burden to check it yesterday morning. And I'm just like, dealing. What, what am I thinking? What kind of person am I? Like, well, of course I'm that guy. But, but by the time that morning, that dumb thought, like, like it, that thought, let's just put it in the right context. That was a sinful thought. That was not from the Lord. That was a demonic attack upon my mind that I said it. I thought it myself. By the time in that evening, the Lord is so gracious. Not only did he use me, but from my brother that I spoke to, I could say, you know what? I, he said, I'm so sorry, whatever he said exactly. And I said, look, bro, I was put on the planet to read your email and to reach out to my friend that I haven't talked to in 20 years. You know, sin is embarrassing. You might think, oh, Ed, you know, he's a pastor. He never, no, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, of course, what you're going through, God is going to send you people, of course. But if you're not careful, you'll believe the lies of the enemy. And you can't blame it on the devil. I'm not advocating, oh, it's all the devil's fault. No, I didn't reject that thought right away. I played around in my mind. I go, oh, you know, who, who, would want, who would want to be in the club that I'm in? I know some of you are, but who wants to be in that group? Nobody wants to be in it. But you know what? Where we are, we are by the grace of God. So church, listen, you've got to dig ditches or the enemy will take you out and he will wipe you out. He can also restore you very quickly if you just repent. <laughs> he can change your heart in a heartbeat. Maybe you've been upset with God. Maybe you've been upset with your place in life. Maybe you've been upset with this. Maybe you've been upset and even out of your mouth. Maybe, maybe you've even been disillusioned with God. You know, a lot of that people will become very disillusioned with God. They'll be upset because you know how it works. You have these expectations of God and then these expectations become prayer of God. And then when God doesn't answer the prayer according to your expectation, guess who gets blamed? God. Oh, it's all God's fault. He didn't do this for me and he didn't do that for me. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When we come to God, we come and surrender. We don't tell him what to do and then get mad at him when he doesn't do what we tell him what to do. But that's a real emotion. And so I asked, I remembered last night, uh, this book that we have downstairs that will really help you if this is you right now. If you're disillusioned, you're upset with God, you're blaming God, you're disappointed with God, everything about that. If that's your place, there's a book called The Prisoner in the Third Cell. We have it downstairs. Prisoner in the Third Cell. And it goes through, it's a very easy read. He kind of read, he writes it like a play with acts and things. It's very easy to read, read it in fact. But it's the true story of John the Baptist. Remember sitting in prison about ready to get his head cut off. And what is he thinking? Are you really Messiah? Because if you were Messiah, I wouldn't be, in, if you're my cousin and my Messiah, I wouldn't be in prison about ready to get my head cut off. And he's dealing with those emotions. Again, that book is The Prisoner in the Third Cell. Check it out wherever you get your books. And with that, we've completed our four-part series, Faith Forward, here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you missed any part of the series, or you'd like to hear it again, or even share it with a friend, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. 
And a reminder, you can also listen through the Calvary Church app. Search for Ed Taylor to download that app today. Maybe you're looking for a good book to go through. Well, here in the month of February, we picked out an excellent one written by Warren Wearsby. It ties in quite nicely to our current study, too. It's called On Being a Servant. You know, sometimes we lose sight of what ministry and service is all about as we get overwhelmed by the pressures and needs that surround us. Be encouraged and strengthened by the wisdom that Warren Wiersbe shares in this easy-to-read book. We'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for On Being a Servant of God. Our number is 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we continue to deliver God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll return to our study in 1 Samuel. We'll hear how God uses the natural to do supernatural things. That's coming up the rest of this week. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.